Well, great morning, Victory Midtown. Did y'all enjoy worship today? Come on, did y'all enjoy worship today? The reason I ask that is because a lot of times we come in with different expectations and we come in with different things on our minds. And I really believe that worship is a place where we can actually reconnect to God, refocus, and make sure that all the things that may have been going on in our minds, that we cast those aside to focus only on Jesus. And as we get started today, I want to just welcome you to week three of our series called State of the Union. State of the Union. Now, if you weren't here, if you haven't been here through any of the other messages, uh, what we have said is that this is not a political series, but what this series is, is us talking about and really dealing with the state of unity, dealing with unity. And when we talk about unity, I don't know about you, but that's something that we all need in this season, and that's something that we need to have reinforced. And I don't know about you, but this has been a week. There's a lot of different emotions going on. There's a lot of different people that are up and down. And again, as we talk about unity today, what we want to understand is that God has unity for us if we can lean into it. And this is an opportunity here today. You came to church today. You register. You are here. And this is the time for us to really lean into what God is saying to us. Because I believe when we actually look at what unity says, it gives us opportunities to really look like Jesus. It gives us opportunities to really be the witness of Jesus that we're called to be. Now, today, many of you know that I'm usually super intense, and I don't know, I might rev up a little bit later. But today, I really just want to talk to us. I just want to talk to us because what I want to do today is I want to truly let the Scriptures minister to our heart today. And that's why what Sierra just said is very important. If you've never followed us on Version before, today is a day to go ahead and pull out your phone and to go to more and go to events and look up Victory Midtown because there will be scriptures today that will speak past this, this time that I will speak to you today. And as we're looking at this, I want to start with the obvious. Definitely we know yesterday it was announced that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, they were announced as the president and the vice president of the United States. Now, for some of us, that's super great news, and we're super excited. You didn't know if you should clap right there, or if you should just look around, if you should just kind of keep your head down. Because for many of us, there's also the other side of the spectrum where some people are very disappointed because your candidate didn't get in. And what we did on last week, we talked about some things that I believe prepared us to have our minds set for what this week would bring us. Because if you woke up, Yesterday, or if you got the news on your phone and you got the alert on your phone and you either lost it or you went and just started doing the Dougie around other people too much, you might have had revealed to you if you were actually operating in political idolatry. And we talked about that last week because what we said is that we don't want to be a people that swayed to and fro by who gets into office or not. Because as we are citizens of this nation, as we are citizens under the government of America, we are those who are in a nation within a nation. We talked about 1 Peter 2 last week, that we're a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, God's own people. And the thing about that is it takes maturity to be able to have that mindset, even in the midst of people who sometimes either act a fool or are all on the same page with you. And so today, as we're walking through this, this is a mature word today. This is a mature, somebody say mature. Because it takes maturity. I said it last week, we are a congregation made up of over 140 nations. So that means you're going to be sitting right next to somebody who might have a total opposite view of you. 
But will you allow that view in the natural to break you apart in the spirit? And that's for me what I want to talk about today. And I want to carry over one thing that we did last week. I don't know if I'll make you exercise too much today, but y'all know what we did last week. Can we raise that one hand up in the air? If you weren't here, just follow us. Raise one hand up in the air. What we did last week, and I started this message last week by talking about the fact that we need, as a body of Christ, we need to come up higher. That our perspective needs to be higher than what the fray looks like, higher than the ground clutter, higher than the things that are actually coming into us in our face every day. Because I don't know about you, but we've been surrounded and bombarded by things, not just this week, but for the last several months, trying to tell us how we should think, how we should feel, and what we should be convicted about. But what we talked about last week is that we are those that are in the nation within a nation who are going to come up higher. Put that finger up real high. We're going to come up higher. Because in order to operate as the body of Christ and keep our authority, we can't get caught up with what things that are on low level. Amen? You can put your hands down. So let me say this. While it might be uncertain if the election is going to be contested or not, what is evident is that yesterday history was made. The first woman of color inducted in and elected in to be a vice president of the United States. Yes, that's something that, again, there's breaking boundaries and things that even if things were to change, even if things kind of get a little topsy-turvy, we can celebrate as a nation that we are those who are coming together to make progress. Amen? Can I get an amen in the room? So as we're looking at this, here it is. I want to remind us of something key that we said last week, that there will be an after this. There will be an after this. What do I mean by that for those who weren't here last week? The after this is how we operate after the results came in. Will we operate and will we lean into being more spiritual? Or will we lean into really digging in and getting to our flesh? And so as we talk about this today, I want to start off by reading that same scripture that I read last week so that we can be reminded, because here's a motto of mine. If you've never heard me say it, I believe leaders need to be reminded of things more than taught something new. And if you're here today, I consider you a leader. If you showed up today, I consider you a leader because what you receive today, you'll be able to share with somebody else. So let's go to Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 from the New King James Version. It's in your app. The Bible says this, after these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying what? Come up here. Say that with me. Come up here. And I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately, I was in the spirit. I wasn't in the flesh. Immediately, I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. So as we look at this, we're again, we're talking about coming up higher. We're talking about coming up here. And the only way we'll be able to operate in God's standard for our lives today, as we walk through all the different changes in the world, is if we come up. Now, when we even titled this State of the Union, every year in January, the President of the United States gives a State of the Union address. And what that State of the Union address is, is him or her, you know, we, we're speaking into the future, him or her actually speaking about the state of America, speaking about the things that need to happen in order for us to operate in a better way as we move forward. And for me in this season, I've been kind of taking inventory of my own State of the Union. 
And as I was going through this week and as I was praying this week, I intentionally wanted to spend time out and around the city, especially yesterday, to start feeling the pulse of our city, to start feeling the pulse of people. Because how many of you know, you can actually box yourself in and you can think you know what's going on, but you can be so far removed even if it's across the street. And so as I got around and I went around the city, as I was in Buckhead yesterday and I was around and in Midtown, before the results were even announced, what I saw was that businesses were boarded up. Businesses had to put signs, big signs that said, yes, we're open because all of their windows and their doors were boarded up. And when I saw that, I said, man, how has the state of our country come to this? That because results are going to come maybe in the next day or maybe in the next few days, we're preparing for the worst. We're expecting the worst. And the reason why I'm talking about this and the reason why I said today is a mature word and I want to let the scripture speak to our heart because nothing I say will get you to operate at God's standard, but the word of God never fails. And as we walk through this, again, as I saw these places boarded up, what I saw was that I have a burden to make sure that at least the body of Christ raises up higher. Because I don't know if you saw, you saw what I saw, even in the body of Christ, what we see is we see people responding on an earthly level. We see people responding on a fleshly level. We talked about last week how righteousness and justice, they were being pitted against each other here in society. The first and the second commandment are being pitted against each other because the ploy of the enemy is for, even in the body of Christ, for us to look at each other with the side eye. The ploy of the enemy is to get you to know, yes, we raise our hands together calling on the name of Jesus, but when we leave, we say, no, they're not on the political side I'm on or I'm not on the political side they're on, and we lose it altogether. So again, this word today is not about politics. This word is about us being rooted and grounded in the standard of Christ. Because today it might be politics. This summer, and it continues to be about even racial tensions. Tomorrow it may be about something else. So if we don't get this thing today, what we'll find ourselves is operating in a cycle of dysfunction. So that while this might be a sober word, I really want you guys to lean in in your spirits today. Because I believe God will speak to us and he'll begin to convict us and he'll begin to change our hearts as we walk through this. So here's the thing. This is something I actually had in my notes last week, but I didn't say it. And I think it's apropos for today. One of the greatest burdens in my heart as a pastor, as a shepherd, because that's what I'm speaking as today. I'm not speaking as a, as a guest speaker. I'm not speaking as someone who just wants to give you a word and get a sound bite for social media. I'm speaking today as a shepherd because one of my greatest burdens is when I see the church revert back to the flesh when we should lift higher to the spirit. One of my greatest burdens is for when we say that we are led by the spirit, but then when something happens that takes us outside of our comfort zone, we act just like we've never heard of a Jesus. And what we do is we start to justify things in the name of Jesus. So as we walk through this, here it is. Today, my burden, not like last week. Last week it was about the after this. But today my burden is how we operate in this. How we operate in the midst of this, whatever this is for you. So let me read this scripture because, again, there's pressures, there's anxiety, there's so, much, so many things going on around us. But here's a key that will help navigate us through life no matter what the circumstance comes up. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's go there. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Here's what gives us a guide to how we're to operate in the spirit. 
The Bible says, keep on being faithful to what you were taught and to what you believe. I'm going to say that one more time. Keep on being faithful to what you were taught and to what you believe. After all, you know who taught you these things. Since childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures that are able to make you wise enough to have faith in Christ Jesus and be saved. Everything in the Scriptures is God's Word. Here's the part that I want you to hear. All of it is useful for teaching and helping people for correcting them and showing them how to live. The Scripture trains God's servants to do all kinds of good deeds. Can you say this with me? I am God's servant. Say it one more time. I am God's servant. And the Scriptures, come on, and the Scriptures teach me how to live. Not CNN, not Fox, not the Internet, but the Scriptures teach me how to live. So as we look at this, here it is. As my particular burden is very heightened today, my burden is really not for the lost in this particular moment. Hear me very clearly. My, my burden in this particular message, don't go out of here saying Moses doesn't care about people that's going to hell. Don't say that. What I'm saying in this particular moment, my burden is for you. My burden is for you who have said you are a Christ follower. My burden is for you who have said you believe who God said he is. And so as we walk through this, here it is. I want to give you a term today that I made up. I believe that the church, the body of Christ a lot, lacks from a thing of spiritual conditioning. Spiritual conditioning. Write that down. Spiritual conditioning. What do I mean by spiritual conditioning? Just like in the natural, just like in sports, just like, you know, you're looking to stay physically fit. We all want to condition our bodies to be ready for the rigors of life. And for me, this is near and dear to my heart because I believe that in the, the totality, of, totality of what God has for us, he wants us to be great in mind, body, and spirit. He doesn't want you to preach the gospel and then you can't breathe after you get, you're done talking because you haven't done any cardio in two years. What he wants from us is to be conditioned in our body, but what I'm wanting from us is for us to be conditioned in our spirit. And the reason why this is important, because when you are conditioned even naturally, what happens is that you make your body get into order with what you know is to come. See, an athlete doesn't start to get ready. They don't start to train a day before their major event. An athlete starts to tra train and beat their body and shift their body because they know that they're going to need to pull from how they've conditioned themselves. And what I also see a lot of times in sports, you know, especially when NBA season started and they came out and they started playing in the bubble, you saw some people who didn't take care of their bodies, who didn't condition when they had that time off. And those people who didn't take time to condition themselves, what you found was a lot of them, it took them about two or three weeks to catch up to the speed of everybody else. What am I saying? As the body of Christ, we have to make sure in times like these that we take time to condition ourselves in the spirit by reading our word, by spending time in prayer, by spending time in worship, by spending time in small groups, sharpening ourselves in the things of God. Because when trials come, you will only operate at the baseline of your conditioning. Let me say that one more time. When trials come, when things come at you, you will only operate at the baseline of your conditioning. Let me give you a very real example. Many of us, we see LeBron James. We, we have watched the late Kobe Bryant over the years. We see all the best athletes. 
And how many of you have watched that athlete come down the court, they do something, and they're getting ready to go to the hoop, and then two or three people jump up and try to defend them, and then they turn and contort their bodies, and they end up dunking on that person and doing something that you've never seen before. See, when we see that, we see them as a great athlete, but what I see, I see someone who's conditioned themselves before they actually met adversity. Because in the moment when they reach adversity, they don't have, to, they don't have time to go back and practice. In the time that they reach that adversity, what they do is they actually just move based on how they've already conditioned themselves. And what I have found is that in the body of Christ, so many of us, we're getting hit with challenges, we're getting hit with pressures, we're getting hit even with the things that try to oppose our spirit man, and we find ourselves folding backwards instead of rising to the challenge. So here it is. Ask yourself this question and write it down if you need to because you're going to need to remind yourself this week. Am I spiritually conditioned? Have I done the things? Am I doing the things on a daily basis, the routine of spiritual life that I can grow in the things of God to see how I need to see? Because here it is. This is what burdens me. I want to read something that echoes my sentiments. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says this. I wish you could know, this is Paul, I wish you could know how much I struggled for you and for the church in Midtown. Some of y'all that are awake know that that's not what it says, but that's what I believe. I'm going to say it like this. I wish that you could know how much I have struggled for you and for the church in Midtown or Laodicea at the time. And for the many other friends I've yet to meet. There's other people that I'm actually laboring for that we believe this word is for. Here it is. I am contending for you that your hearts will be wrapped in the comfort of heaven and woven together into love's fabric. I am contending to you. This is what's in my heart for you, that you will be comforted of heaven and that you will be woven together in love's fabric. This will give you access to all the riches of God as you experience the revelation of God's mystery, which is Christ. See, right here, just to give you a little context, this letter to the church of Laodicea was written during one of Paul's many imprisonments from bringing the message of Jesus to the world. And what happened is he was telling them that he knows that there are cultural pressures around them. But he was contending for them because he was saying, don't let the pressures of the culture take you away from the mission of Christ. Don't let the pressures of culture take you away from what you know you are to believe. And as we hear this sober word, what we need to understand, and I want you to hear this, Kendra and I, we contend for you daily. We contend for you daily because what we realize is that it's not easy living as a standard. It's not easy when you know you're supposed to be one who is a reconciler, but everything wants you to operate in division. See, it takes discipline to be a disciple. It takes discipline to be a reconciler. Don't you know that I wanted to, to, to like and tag a whole bunch of stuff this week? But what I know is that people watch me and take my cues, and if we're going to be a reconciler, I have to be more concerned about the body of Christ than I am about my feeling in that moment. You can't say amen, say ouch. Because the reality is that the burden that we have right now is that a lot of our people are affected right now. 
See, you see this room almost full, but we're socially distanced. We have to do so many restrictions. About 80% of our church, they might be watching online, but they're not coming in physical gatherings right now. And yes, you can still receive the word online. Yes, you can still operate in the spiritual things online. But let me tell you, some of the things that happen when you're not around the body of believers are these, anxiety, fear, depression, lack of patience, disconnection from the body. You get a little bit more short-tempered. You start to respond to stuff that you usually wouldn't have responded to. Offense becomes rampant. You know, somebody can just say something and just mispronounce your name and you think that they're a racist. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. And what we're saying here is that no matter what things come at you, we have to be spiritually conditioned enough to be the standard. I said it last week. When the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Lord lift up the standard. And we have to be, lift that hand up. We have to be that standard. So here it is. When I say I want us to, to improve our spiritual conditioning, it's because I'm seeing these things play out on social media. I'm seeing people who have been Bible-believing, disciple-makers. I'm seeing people now comment on things and say things that sound more like the world than even the world says. I'm seeing people throw in other people's faces the fact that their particular candidate got in and their other people's didn't. And that's not love. I don't care what side of the spectrum you were on. We still have to be able to keep the standard because let me tell you, the world is looking at us during times like this to see if they really believe what we say we believe. The world is looking at us to really see when you get pressure put on you, how are you going to operate? Because again, if you're not spiritually conditioned, you will go along to get along. I know this word is a little bit different, but again, we want the word of God to permeate in our hearts today. So here it is. We need to be ready. We need to be conditioned, and we need to reinforce being woven together with Christ as he says this. In the sports lesson, lesson that I said earlier, when challenge comes to you, you revert back to the baseline of your spiritual conditioning. So my question is, how do we reinforce the baseline of our, our conditioning? How do we stay unified in Christ as the church when everything in the world wants to divide us? Again, this is not just about politics. This is about being rooted in the standard of Christ. So here it is. Quickly, I just want to equip us today with some things. And we want to reinforce the root system and the foundation that we're to walk in with Christ. The first thing that I want to say to you really quickly is that to do this, we have to reinforce our union with the person of Christ. We have to reinforce our union with his person. Man, we have to get back to the basics. Colossians chapter 2 says this. This is very powerful. We read this scripture in corporate prayer this past week from the Passion Translation. It says this, in the same way you receive Jesus our Lord and Messiah by faith, continue your journey of faith, progressing further in your union with him. Watch this. Your spiritual roots go deeply into his life as you are continually infused with strength and courage in every way. For you are established in the faith. You have absorbed and enriched by your devotion to him. Here's something that's key. Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. 
That's a sign of the times right there if we hear the word. Human logic is trying to tell us again, if, you're, if you disagree with one piece over here, you need to hate them. If you disagree with one piece over here, you need to hate them. And God is saying, hey, there's some stuff that you do that I disagree with and I don't hate you. So when we look at this, here it is, the last line of that says, for they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. I would venture to say that there are some people who will look back on their timeline about two or three months from now, and they were going to look at it and say, I was out of my mind. Some of us in here, you're going to look back at your timeline last week and about a week from now and say, man, that is not the body of Christ. I was out of my mind. So as we look at this, here it is. The Bible says that we need to be rooted, and rooted means to be deeply and firmly established. Deeply and firmly established, meaning when the wind blows, when culture tries to get me to go one way, when someone tries to put pressure on me to speak up on something that I know is not unified, will I be rooted and established in the things of Jesus or will I go with the culture? This is for a mature audience. This is for those who say, I want something more than operating to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Let me read this scripture. I told you I'm going to let the word speak to you today. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, it says this. May he grant you of the riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self, indwelling your innermost being and personality. Right there, I want to pause right there. See, what God desires is he desires for us to put our personality under subjection to him. He's not saying he doesn't want you to be funny. He's not saying he wants you now to dress with the church uniform. What he's saying, though, is he wants you to now submit your personality to him so what comes out of you is filtered first through him. And when we do this, what we see here, it says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith. And may you, having been deeply rooted, here it is again, deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width and the length and the height and the depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing and endless love. It goes on to say, and that you may come to know. You might not know it yet, but that you may come to know through personal experience. I don't want you just to take my word for it. I want you to come to know through personal experience the love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. That you may be filled up through your being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives completely filled and flooded with God himself. Not flooded with emotions. Not flooded with a mindset, not flooded with a point of view, but flooded with God himself. So as we look at this again, we said it last week, there's only one person who we can submit ourselves to as Lord over our lives. His name is Jesus. And we must remind ourselves every single day that we're representing, remember that? We are representing him, not presenting ourselves. But again, it takes discipline and it takes maturity to walk in that. Which takes us to the next thing that we need to understand, that we have to have unity with God's priorities. 
We have to have unity and union with his priorities over our priorities. Here it is. The word of God says this in Galatians chapter 5. You've heard this scripture before, many of you. It says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. I'm going to say that one more time. For these, the spirit is against the flesh, and for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Have you ever been looking at something you know you shouldn't comment on it? You know your sanctified self is trying to hold you back from making that comment, but you do it anyway. You know God doesn't desire you to cause division, but we do it anyway because we allow the flesh to overtake what the Spirit is pulling out of us. We say it won't do much harm, but how many of you know? This is a revelation I got years ago. There are literally souls depending on your witness. There are literally souls depending and watching, man, how do they operate when it's tough? How do they operate when there's a lot of stress? How do they operate when there's contention? But so many times we fall into it. Here it is. But if you are led by the Spirit, let's go back to the Scriptures. But if you are led by the, script, by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. Let's put that political idolatry in there. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. All those things. But I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But here's what we need to focus but the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace. Here's a big word that's bad sometimes. It's patience. It's patience. It's patience for that person that you know you feel like they're just trying to get under your skin. It's patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit and let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. I am very aware that a word like this starts to stir us up. Because what this scripture right here is saying when it says be in step with the Spirit, that means you can no longer simply just say, yeah, give me this day my daily bread. What you really need to be saying, what I say to myself, I'm going to speak for me. Lord, give me this day, this next step. Give me this day, this next moment. Give me this day, this next encounter with this person. Give me this day when I know I don't feel like everything's going right. Give me your mind on the matter. Let me walk in step with the Spirit because I'm dependent on you to allow me to make it through this. See, one of Kendra and I's prayers almost every morning is, Lord, order our steps. Because I realize that even as a preacher of the gospel, I'm not good enough. As a preacher of the gospel, as one who studies the word and presents the word, I don't have it all together. So I have to submit not just my day, but every moment to him. So as we're walking through this, here it is. I said this earlier in a different way. Write it down. It takes discipline to make God's priority my priorities. 
It takes discipline to make God's priorities my priorities. I want you just to take this down. I'm just going to read a part of it because I want us to get this. And I want to just not do all the work for you. I want you to go home and I want you to meditate on these things. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. I'm just going to read the first part. You are always and dearly loved by God. So robe yourselves. Put on the virtues of God. Since you have been divinely chosen to be holy, be merciful as you endeavor to understand others and be compassionate, showing kindness to all. That next part of that scripture, it says be gentle and humble. Here's the key word, unoffendable in your patience with others. Tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. See, these scriptures are getting so good to me. I don't care about y'all right now. These scriptures are speaking to me right now. And what I want us to get is that I want us to get to where we look at these scriptures as a guide to what God has for us. Because as we take God's priorities to walk in the spirit, what it gives us is an opportunity to walk in his righteousness. And his righteousness is the straight line that we couldn't do for ourselves. So here's real quickly, if you want to write a few of these down, these are priorities that you walk in. These are priorities. Just try to take them down really quickly. You can go back and listen to this later. To walk in his priorities says that I'm walking in the spirit. Says that I'm merciful as I, endeavor, as I endeavor to understand others. I'm compassionate. I'm showing kindness. I'm gentle. I'm humble. And here's the key word. I'm unoffendable. I'm unoffendable. I'm unoffendable. There's a whole bunch of other adjectives on that paper that I want to read right now, but I'm going to stick right there. I am unoffendable. Because I believe if we can get to the place where we're unoffendable, the sky's the limit because then we will start to hear past a moment and we will start to receive the goodness that is in so many people that we discount when we get offended. So here it is. If you're taking notes, write this statement down. Love becomes the mark of my true maturity. Love becomes the mark of my true maturity to see if I really am as spiritual as I say I am. Love is the measure, not what you say with your mouth. Which leads me to the last one that we need to actually take hold of. And it's union with his people. Union with his people. Again, it's politics today. It's going to be something else tomorrow. The Bible says it like this. This gives us the key to the first and second commandment. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, it says, Jesus said to them, this is red letter writing in the Bible. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Every time I read that scripture or I hear it, what I start to say is that am I treating my neighbor how I want them to treat me? That's the great equalizer. Am I treating the people that I encounter, even if I don't agree with them, am I giving them the grace that I will want to be given to me? Love your neighbor as you love yourself on these two commandments, righteousness and justice, first and second commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. Because here it is, as we read this last scripture, the enemy is joining forces while we're separating in the body of Christ. Let me say that one more time. 
if we don't catch this, what we find is that the enemy is joining forces getting stronger while the church is dividing about church things. When I was watching the news and I was seeing some of the places where people were celebrating and what they were celebrating about and what they were doing, the enemy is saying, hey, we're going to be together. And at the same time, we see the church spewing things back and forth on social media, dividing each other when the enemy is getting stronger as one. So here's the last scripture that I want to read as we get ready to close out and send ourselves into the world to live this word out in a higher standard. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. This gives us the capture for this whole day. It says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. As I was reading that, the Lord just whispered to me, many people in the body of Christ don't understand that we are one. This is not just some theoretical thing that we speak to make it sound good. The Bible says we are the body of Christ. So that means if you get hurt, somebody over here should feel it. That means if you get offended, somebody on this side should actually feel it. But what we do, we only care about our little piece of the body. When God is saying, what about the knee? What about the foot? What about the head? What about the people who you might never have a conversation with, but you sowing grace will actually reap grace back to you? Bear with one another in love. Because in this season, if we don't rise to a higher calling, we will be devoured by the things of the world. If we at the, as the body of Christ don't get spiritually conditioned, what will happen is that the next big thing will take us out. You thought the pandemic was bad and it spread the church around. What happens if we don't learn from this moment and actually dig into each other as we dig into Christ? So this is what we want to do. We want to close this service by capturing it in prayer. Because again, you're not going to get this by clever words. That's why I told you I wanted the word to speak to us today. I wanted the scriptures to speak to us today. Because only the spirit of God will keep us in perfect peace. Only the Spirit of God will keep our fingers down when we get the Twitter fingers. And I just believe that if we can come together and walk in the Spirit, God has a glorious church that he's birthing out of a season like this. He wants us to be spiritually conditioned so that we can walk by faith and not be driven by what we see. So I'm going to ask Kendra to come up here because we want to pray over you because, again, we contend for you in the Spirit every day. We spend time intentionally every day praying for you of things seen and not seen. So as we pray in this moment, I just want you just to take a moment. You don't have to bow your heads, but I do want you to posture yourselves in a posture of surrender right now. Because some of us, we are guilty. All of us, we are guilty of not letting the spirit drive us, but letting our flesh drive us. 
So the first thing I'm going to pray for, I'm going to pray for unity with each other. And as we pray over these things, and even as I pray over unity with each other, if there is somebody that comes in your spirit that you know you have not operated in unity with, the Lord may bring them to your spirit. I want you to put their name in the atmosphere and say, Lord, I forgive them. And also ask for forgiveness for yourself. I want you to intentionally put their name in the atmosphere because it's the enemy's desire to drive a wedge between the body. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare right now that your desire is for us to be unified. Father, in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, we declare by the spirit of the living God that you will not allow us to operate in division. But I thank you that we won't just be a church that operates with 140 nations plus coming in a Sunday morning worship experience. But Father, even people that disagree with us in our philosophy, allow us to agree with each other in the spirit. Father, I pray that we will not discount relationships and cancel relationships because someone thinks differently than I do. Father, I pray right now that as we put names in the atmosphere of those who we've allowed wedges to be driven in between us, that reconciliation happens in the spirit. Father, I pray that even as we leave this place today, some of us will text that person, will call that person and ask for forgiveness. Father, I pray that even if it was the other person's fault per se, that some of us will hear this word and make, make this word alive in our hearts and we will humble ourselves and say, I'm sorry. That we will open the door for healing in our lives. Father, we thank you that unity is a balm and that you desire for us to operate together and not divided.